What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the College Game Time Podcast. I'm your host, Trey Smith, and today I've got a locked and loaded show for you. We're going to go over everything you need to know as it pertains to the current standing of the college football playoff. They are having meetings yesterday and today. More stuff could come out this evening after those meetings conclude, but as far as where everything's at, you saw the title. Mike Oresco and Gloria Navarez, the commissioners of both the American Athletic Conference and the Mountain West Conference, support a 5-7 CFP format or CFP model. But let's get into that. Okay, a lot has happened. There's been a lot of twists and turns just in the last 24 hours as far as reports that have come out. I'm going to consolidate it all, bring it to this one place so you can be completely up to speed as to where things stand, where the G5 stands in general, where the American Conference stands, where the Mountain West Conference stands, where, where things are now as it pertains to the college football playoff. <laughs> We're going to get into it all. And um, even from this morning, there's been some clarifications of some things that were said yesterday. And anyways, here's my advice to you if you're a college football fan, particularly a G5 football fan. Uh, keep your head on a swivel for the next 24 hours or so. All right. Just just know that information is going to be coming out probably, you know, one after another. So before I get into it, you know what to do. If you're watching on YouTube right now, like, subscribe, comment at the end, share it with a friend. If you're listening on one of the streaming platforms, I would greatly appreciate if you would leave me a five-star rating and leave a positive review. As I say, almost every day, it helps drive the show up into the algorithm. I'm going to keep saying it because the more I say it, the more people do it. So, and if you're watching right now on YouTube, just take half a second to click the like button, click it. And if you're not subscribed to the channel, subscribe. Um, we are the fastest growing show for the American Athletic Conference. Um, we also have fans from other conferences, which I so greatly appreciate. And I also have some exciting news as it pertains to the future of this podcast. I'm just waiting to share that, uh, maybe on Friday. We'll see. Okay. Here we go. I'm going to go down a list of everything you need to know currently as it pertains to the CFP format model changes and everything first thing i've already said they are meeting the cfp managing committee is meeting today and they met yesterday at big 10 headquarters the current cfp format which as we've discussed on here is a 6-6 model which is basically the top six conference champions and then the top six ranked conference champions and then six at large bids with that model, a group of five conference is guaranteed at least one bid, okay? If the Pac-2 dissolves, whether that means Oregon State, Washington State go to the Big 12, whether that means they go to the Mountain West, if that conference dissolves and the 6-6 model remains in place, that would mean two bids for G5 conferences uh, in 2024 and 2025. Talked about that yesterday. The current CFP format expires in 2025. So you have two more years after this under. So when the 12 team format goes into effect next year, it'll be two years before things can really shift and change. Speaking of changes, 
They will likely discuss changes to the current format and the format beyond 2025. They didn't yesterday, according to reports, but there's there's a growing assumption that there's a likelihood they will discuss those things today. Now, there is one caveat there that I'll get to in just a second. Before I do, understand that when it comes to changes, changes that need to be made prior to 2025 have to be unanimous. Okay, any changes between now and 2025 have to be unanimous. So if the 6-6 model is going to change, it's going to require a unanimous vote to change that. However, after 2025, there's no guarantee that it will still require a unanimous vote. Because the current agreement expires. So that doesn't mean that they won't agree to do a unanimous vote again whenever they set the protocols in place for the next contract or whatever it is after 2025, but there's also no guarantee that it will, especially with all the realignment that's happening and how much power the SEC and the Big Ten hold with their brands and their teams and their expansion. I don't know that we're going to see this again where it requires a unanimous vote to change a format. Okay, format changes are expected, but until a resolution with the PAC-2 happens, they're essentially at a standstill, which makes today's meeting interesting as far as if something actually happens or not. Um, So let's let's stay here for just a second. Um, Somebody in my comments yesterday brought up the Locked On Big 12 show that released yesterday, uh, which had special guest Immaculate View, who I've talked about here on Twitter. I've actually been on his show uh, with, with Bomber and the Big 12 Mafia. I was supposed to have Immaculate on today to further discuss what he talked about on Locked On Big 12 yesterday. My schedule got mixed up, so we're still going back and forth, hopefully by the end of the week, so we can continue this conversation because he does a lot of research with, with the actual numbers and the finances that are behind a lot of this. And that's what he talked about on the Locked On Big 12 show yesterday. And if you didn't listen to that, let me just give you a quick synopsis of it. Basically, what he was making the case for was that Oregon State and Washington State were all but guaranteed to get a Big 12 invite simply because it comes down to the finances that are rooted in the CFP distributions. And the fact that the pack would be entitled to still would still be entitled to a significant distribution in 2024 and 2025. And given that they could still they could stand pat as a two team conference, because technically per NCAA bylaws, they have two years to sort of reload or backfill. So in theory, they could use that as leverage is kind of what Immaculate View was saying on the show and what they were talking about. I don't, I don't want to like rehash all of that or or put words in anyone's mouth but essentially what it was and i'm not going to say what the numbers were because here's something after i listened to it something i brought up that i want to get him on here to talk about is that last year in november of 2022 before any of this realignment stuff started going crazy other than obviously we knew that usc and ucla were going to the big 10 the cfp managing committee agreed to shift um agreed to shift the um distribution model let me see if i have it right here yeah 
The CFP committee agreed last November on a compromise for per school payouts opposed to per league payouts for 2024 and 2025, meaning that the payouts would be divided based on the league size. Because what brought this up was the SEC was concerned as they were expanding that now the piece of the pie each team would get in the conference would now be smaller. And now a team like Alabama, who's been a mainstay in the CFP, would end up getting a smaller share than a team like Washington State, who's never been in the CFP. And it has to do with the size of the conference. So they did agree last November that they were going to shift that distribution to being a per team versus a per league. If that is the case, that kind of nullifies the argument that the Pac-2 has leverage with a significant lump sum amount of payouts that they are entitled to in 2024 and 2025 as it pertains to CFP money. Now, what Immaculate said is that that was agreed upon, but it wasn't, it was yet to be voted on. That is what I'm still trying to get concrete information on because the original report that they agreed on it back in November was by Nicole Auerbach with The Athletic. I mean, that was a official report that the CFP committee, that they, they, they agreed on a compromise to make it a per league versus per school. So if you're an Oregon State, Washington State fan right now and you happen to be watching or listening, that's something to be mindful of as it pertains to that argument for getting those two schools in the Big 12. Now, here's where it gets interesting. If, in fact, they haven't officially voted on that, which is likely to be true, and that was kind of what Immaculate was sharing with me last night in our communications, the X factor now becomes Kirk Schultz. He could be the guy that holds this whole thing up. In other words, when they go to vote to, make, to officially make this a per-school distribution versus a per-league distribution, he could vote no because it would require a unanimous vote to make that happen. So in theory, that's where the leverage to get either an invite from a power conference or to sustain their own conference comes into play. But then that's when you got to look at also the court case that's pending as it pertains to who actually controls the voting rights and retains the, the assets that the PAC currently controls. It's so wild right now how we've gotten to this point but hopefully you were able to follow that somewhat. And it was also in response to yesterday. Gosh, I can't remember. I'd look it up right now. If I can find it real quick. If I can find it real quick, I'll tell you who it was. Where is it? Where is it? Where is it? Oh, there it is. Tyler. Tyler Nelson. Shout out Tyler. He said, Trey, I was listening to Drake Toll, who does the Locked On Big 12. He was talking about Big 12 adding Washington State and Oregon State to the conference because ESPN loses $320 million, and that was a number that was thrown out there as far as the payouts to the pack over the next two years, if I fully grasped that. But again, something to be mindful of with that is there was an agreement in place. Does that agreement in principle hold weight? Was there ever a vote? Is that what's still pending? Like those are some questions that I still have because it was reported that they were going to change to a per school, meaning that if your conference reduced in size, you got less money. If you, if you increased in size, you got more money because it would be based on how many schools are in the conference versus just evenly distributing like every conference, every power conference gets the same. Okay. 
Um, so, continuing now with what we need to know. The next thing is Sankey, Commissioner Sankey of the SEC, he's pushing and lobbying hard for 12 at-larges. He's convinced that the best format for a CFP is 12 at-large bids. Of course he thinks that. Why would he think that? Because he knows that his, his conference would likely absorb many of those spots. And the other conference that's going to be supportive of that is the Big Ten. Because, quite frankly, they're probably thinking that together they could absorb 8 to 10 of those slots in that type of format. So now there's not much support outside of those two conferences. So there's not as big of a, of a fear that that's going to happen, but it is on the table. So then that leads to the conversations that started coming out this week. Okay. And that's where we get to the six, six model versus a five, seven model. So let me kind of go through where we're at as it pertains to that. On Monday, to the Sports Business Journal, and I will link this article in the description or the comments, depending on how you're listening or watching this. Gloria Navarro's was asked, uh, you mentioned the 6-6 and 5-7 automatic qualifier models. What is your preference on structure there? Here's what Navarez said. And this was on Monday. This article was released Monday. Certainly, 6-6 is my preference, but that was based on having five of those leagues that you have a lot of representation. Now there's four of those. Certainly, they have more things that they need to consider, but the way it's structured right now, the top six conference champions, regardless of which conference those are, go. I could get behind and support five and seven now, or five and seven, now that the Pac-12 won't be in the room. I find it interesting there too that, that it said, now that the Pac-12 won't be in the room. Um, which, that's still kind of undecided. <laughs> that's what's crazy. Or is it? To our knowledge, it is undecided, but maybe it's already decided. Maybe they're about to get an invite. Maybe they're about to join the Mountain West. So anyways, that's what she had said Monday. So she had expressed support for transitioning to a 5-7, um, even though the 6-6 six, six is her preference, but understanding with how the landscape has shifted that 5-7 that might be the way to go. Then yesterday, an article in The Athletic, which I will also link in the description or the comments, quotes Mike Oresco saying, I'm fine myself with the five plus seven, assuming we stay at 12 teams. That's a key like piece to this that stuck out to me that I don't really see a lot of people talking about is the fact that he said, assuming we stay at 12 teams. So does that mean that maybe expanding beyond 12, like that's an option on the table? Is expanding it up to 14 or 16 on the table? I'd be all for a 16-team playoff. Guys, two years ago when I was making these videos and nobody was watching before any of you ever even heard of me or even cared to listen to what I had to say, I went through a whole spiel on a 32-team playoff format. I mean, heck, every other division of college football does that. Why can't we do it at the highest level? And I know that was that's something not everyone's going to agree with, but the way I laid it out was kind of like creating a March Madness-like 
environment in December. You would have to do away with championship weekend and establish. Con- Anyways, I, I had a whole layout for that. So say all that to say is I'm all about giving more teams access. But he said, assuming we stay at 12. And he said this yesterday after CFP meetings. He said the 5-7 is really something we have to have. Otherwise, what's the point of all the work we did for 6-6? And in that article, it said, but it's notable that Oresco made his stance public considering that any change to the format would need to be unanimous for the 2024 and 2025 season. So that's where we were left hanging yesterday was basically with that. So we're left to sit there and I'm tweeting about it. We're having discussions about it over there on Twitter X, having all these conversations as far as like, why would you agree to a 5-7 now when you were like, if the pack dissolves, you're locked into having two G5 bids for the next two years. So my thought was, okay, well, maybe the thinking is if we can keep 5-7 long-term, by agreeing to do 5-7 now, it, it, it established us being able to keep it long-term, then maybe that makes sense or maybe some massive payout. Kind of what we talked about yesterday, and I know a lot of you in the comments were, were expressing like access is more important than the money aspect, which I totally agree with. Keep the two slots. Don't let, don't let the big dogs buy you out of one of your playoff spots for the group of five teams. So, Anyways, that's where it was kind of left. Then this morning, that article was updated and it says, Oresco later clarified via email that he still supports a 6-6 model for the next two years. He said, I favor 6-6 for the next two years, but realize that 5-7 is where this is going afterward. When unanimity is no longer required, 5-7 is pretty much inevitable and we can accept that in view of P4 replacing P5. Very interesting. In other words, when the unanimous votes are no longer required, 5-7 is pretty much inevitable because the, the, the other, the alternative option would be 12 at large. And that's basically the big dog saying, we're just freezing y'all out, G5. Screw y'all. Which they've done before. And then... Today, also, this one from Ross Dellinger says, barring a compromise, AAC's Mike Oresco will not vote for a change to a 12-team CFP format in 24 and 25. A deal breaker in a decision needing unanimity. I don't even know if I'm saying that right. (laughs) Unanimous votes. Without his vote, a 6-6 CFP model would grant a second auto bid to a G5 team that could be unranked. So here we are. It is looking like the next two years, we will have two G5 teams in the CFP, which I think is awesome. What needs to happen in order for that to be a reality is we need the pack to cease operations. So Big 12, Big 10, you need to pick up the phone and do the right thing and get Oregon State and Washington State in there. It's just wild because now with this unanimity, another reason why I don't think the unanimity thing will will uphold is because look at where we're at now. You've got the big dogs that for sure would like to go to a 5-7 now, but 
they've got one guy that's not at least one guy that's not going to agree to it. I'm sure all the other G5 commissioners would would will do the same. But you for sure got Mike Oresco saying, "I ain't budging on this." Then you also would like to officially vote on your revenue distribution to shift from a per league distribution to a per school distribution. And now you've got one of the board members who's going to block that being Kirk Schultz, uh, Washington state school president. So it's weird because it's like, all right, it seemed like a good thing in the beginning. And now all of a sudden it's becoming a thorn in everyone's side, at least as it pertains to the power conferences. So here's what I think ends up happening. As we've been saying, I started saying this two weeks ago. The Washington State and Oregon State are going to get an invite. The PAC is going to cease operations. And now we're going to have a clear path, at least for two years, for two G5 teams to get in. What would be awesome is if in both of those years, one of those two G5s, they're not going to win at all. They probably wouldn't even likely make a run to the championship game, even though that would be awesome. But Win, win that first game or maybe win the first two get there and even if you get pounded but at least seeing like seeing these teams compete for two years maybe it'll have them going huh maybe we need to keep this model I doubt it I doubt it but at least it keeps it a 5-7 which means if we can have a 6-6 for the next two years and then a 5-7 beyond so there's still access to the playoff, I'd be okay with that. A best case scenario is expand this thing to 16 teams. Then you can open up more conference championship bids and and still have at-large bids. I don't think they would ever open up the conference champion bids to where you get uh, all G5 conference champions in, even though I would be 100% behind that. But I think what you could get with a with a 16 team format is maybe like a 610 model. So you still get your two bids and then you have 10 at larges. Um, but you guys let me know what you think on this. What what is your best case, worst case as far as how this pans out? Um, hopefully you're up to date now. More stuff is gonna come out, I'm sure, this afternoon. So, or maybe around lunchtime or maybe while I'm freaking posting this episode, who knows, but just rest assured, whatever comes out, we'll make sure we bring it to you right here on the college game time podcast. Um, and, uh, that's it for me today. I'll see you all tomorrow. Hope it's a, uh, happy Wednesday for you. We're, we're getting so much closer to a college football Saturday, but we also don't want to overlook this Thursday night matchup, man. This Temple Tulsa, I'm telling you, that's going to be a dogfight. But until tomorrow, that's it for me, Trey Smith, College Game Time.